This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast, and we are getting very, very close, so close, two games till the end of the season, and we are sniffing distance possibly and i'm saying possibly with a touching of the wood here premier league two more wins and we could be in the premier league if things go our way because we beat preston north end one nil last week which means that we're just one point away from west bromwich Albion. it was 10 points at the beginning of lockdown and we're down to one point now it's so so close but it's still not in our hands so it's very very nerve-wracking my name is billy grant and i'm sitting here with a massive smile on my face after having a great night last night again watching the bees and after after party watching the bees last night as a wednesday night it was a school night but we did not care at all and i'm sitting here with my chums virtually of course because we couldn't quite get together because to be quite honest with you, we'd probably end up being just you know in our laps the whole time if we did that so it hasn't happened i've got dave laney lane and liberal nick in the house laney how are you I'm a bit jaded, if I'm honest with you. Um, the red wine on a Wednesday that uh, has preceded the uh, the game so far, not quite sure it's a good idea. It's certainly not a good idea at the moment. But uh, yeah, it it was another another great night, a very, very nervy uh, uh, um, experience compared to some of the other games. But yeah, I, 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 you know, like all Brentford fans, I'm just absolutely buzzing and I can't wait for Saturday, can't wait for Wednesday. So, uh, you know, just want to know our fate and what, what's going to happen next. I'm not going to get impatient and enjoying every minute, but yeah, it was a very, very nervy night. The Liberal Nick's in the house and Liberal Nick, was it nervy down in the West Country? Oh yeah, it was. I spent most of the 87 minutes of that game behind my sofa, um, just occasionally popping my head up to see, you know, another piece of brilliance from Ben Rama or some really good defending by uh, Pontus and Pinnock. But um, no, I mean, I was, I, I agree with what Dave was saying. I can't wait for the next two games, counting down the days. I'm going to be up in London next week. Um, so I'm up in and I'll make sure that somewhere I'll be watching uh, in some way us, hopefully, going to the Premier League. But if not, 
I'll have to make another booking to come up and see us in the playoffs. Fingers crossed, like you know what I'm saying. But look, you know, for me, like I said to you, I was in the I was in the boozer back in the globe again, and it was absolutely buzzing. It's all quite quiet to start off with because everyone got there just straight after their works. So, you know, they probably closed their laptops and slipped out the house, or they probably slipped out of the office early, and they got there pretty much on the dead, you know, on the kickoff time, which is about five o'clock. But all of a sudden, the pub was full. Like I said to you, it's packed out. You need to book in. You can't just walk in at the moment now. As you know, the social distancing rules, so they're limited by numbers. So again, it's like fourth or fifth time in a row that they've actually been absolutely packed out, sold out uh, for, for, for the game and the atmosphere. Just wow. when we scored that goal, literally people were jumping out the windows and all sorts. It was a, it was brilliant. And after the game, just chatting to everybody and you see that they were so relieved, but also really, really nervous. And uh, again, it's just one of those things where you realise that we're, we're so near, but we are also so far. But um, look, listen, you know, we only do what we're going to do. But I mean, like I said to you, it's been a great week if you think about it, football. Because obviously, you know, we've had a great match on Wednesday night watching the game. We also had a strange night on Tuesday night because we had to kind of uh, don um, sort of white shirts for a bit or red shirts, actually. That probably feels a bit better. And we had to go shouting those really strange words going, come on, Fulham. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, we were all shouting for Fulham on Tuesday night. And what a... I'm going to describe it. There's what a strange experience, and also what a rubbish experience it was as well. Because you put all your heart and your soul into supporting Fulham, and they couldn't even be bothered, could they, Lady? What a lot of old crap, wasn't it? I mean, seriously, you know, they. We spoke before the game about you know how important it was for them to get a result. Otherwise, you know, it was just the playoffs. They just didn't believe enough, did they? they it, it really looked like they'd settled for the playoffs already. But you know, they they if they'd have, if they'd have won that, it was it was the dream wasn't over. So I I just really didn't understand the unambitious uh, kind of just lacklustre performance. I mean, Mitrovic, my God, I'm so glad we we haven't got him anywhere near our team. If anyone says with a, with a player like him in our team, we would have got we would have gone up. It's talking out of their asses. He didn't look like he was interested. He looks he looked fat. He looked like uh, slow, yeah, didn't track back to try and stay on side. You know, obviously he can finish the finish, you know, when he gets chances, but Fulham really didn't create a lot. You know, obviously Knockhart um, had that, you know, incredible shot that came back off of the bar. But apart from that, I just, I honestly, I had, I had, you know, so, so underwhelmed and underwhelmed by West Brom as well. Um, I know it was a bit more nervy probably for them because they're looking over their shoulder, but you know, we would have beaten either of those teams that night and it just became so obvious how superior we are to pretty much every club in this division at this, this current time. So, you know, we just got to carry on believing. You know, we didn't quite get what we wanted, but it was still, you know, um, you know, drop points and, you know, uh, I just, yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't the end of the world, but as, as we keep saying, just Fulham was shocking. I mean, I know I watched Tuesday's game through black-tinted glasses and uh, last night's game through rose-tinted glasses, but the compa- there was no comparison um, in the quality of the games. I thought Preston played really well last night. West Brom and Fulham just looked like, well, I couldn't work, West Brom were obviously a bag of nerves, and Fulham, as Dave said, just did, were not at the races. They didn't seem interested. And, you know, Scott Parker must have been tearing his hair out at that Fulham performance because, you know, let's be honest, they've got some very decent players in that squad. I mean, I know what Dave is saying about Mitrovic, who 
since the restart, obviously, you know, he obviously enjoyed his lockdown a bit too much. But, you know, he has got 24 goals this season, Mitrovic, and that's what you need to be up near the top of the championship. But Scott Park, as I said, tearing his hair out at the lackadaisical attitude of his players, who just really didn't seem interested, didn't seem up for it at all. Um, and if that was the best, that uh, if that was the quality of the championship, um, it you know it was a sad reflection of what is, as we all know, one of the best leagues in Europe at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think you've got to also sort of put into consideration the fact that, you know, these are two this is a very important match. No team obviously wanted to lose. Uh, you know, West Brom basically, West Brom didn't want to lose. Fulham were meant to win, but ugh, they couldn't be bothered. So you kind of knew where the situation was. So West Brom were kind of like, you know, they're playing it safe, I think, to a certain extent, which I think was probably a bit frustrating for us. I think, well, for me, what the weird scenario was, you've finally kind of vested yourself a bit of interest into a team who, to be quite honest with you, not only have you got no interest with about a team that you actually don't like, but you've actually had to kind of emotionally vest some interest into them and hope they do well. And I think you also feel almost feel cheated by Fulham by the performance that they gave you because you've actually had to kind of do something you didn't want to do and they haven't given you anything back. But also the other thing is that you actually watch games very differently if you have a vested interest in the team. So normally you might watch, I mean, I don't watch match of the day as such because uh, it's all Premier League stuff, but I watch all the EFL stuff all the time and you watch all these matches and you see how Birmingham City are doing and you analyse their players and their forwards and the defenders and how the goalkeeper's doing and you get it in your head because you know how it's going to affect you and your league. But you don't realise... Um, how much you're analysing that, you analyse it completely differently when you've got a real vested interest in the game. And I was looking at that Fulham game, you know, how they were playing, you know, what we would have done if we were in their position. So say, for example, there was a situation where their goalkeeper got the ball, you know, they want to attack West Brom, the goalkeeper got a ball, and when he got the ball, you sort of think, well, there you go, bang, ball straight out, down the wings, bash, 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 counter break, because that's exactly what we had done. David Breyer would have got the ball out there and countered. But he held on to the ball for ages and ages and looked around and thought, what am I going to do about this? And then when they came out, they were ponderous and slow and passing the ball around. And I was frustrated. You go, no, get the ball up. What are you doing? Like, you know, and I think that is kind of... That was the frustration in the way that Fulham are playing. I mean, the Fulhamish lads, when they spoke to us before, they said, you know, we don't do that, Bill. We don't um, break fast. We like to hold the ball and hold on to it, contain it. And I just sort of think that's such a frustrating way to play football. And I think probably that was very much how we were like maybe two seasons ago or even last season when we used to go to teams and say, what fantastic football we're playing. And then the teams will say, yeah, but you've got no penetration. And I could see exactly what that's like with Fulham. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, you're, you're right. It was it was a kind of a, a strange game for both of those teams. It was all about not losing, wasn't it? But it, I, I just thought Fulham would have wanted to win a little bit more than they did. Um, Scott Parker afterwards, I, sound, I thought he sounded thick. You know, just like I'm glad he's not our manager. He just did, doesn't really he doesn't have the ability to kind of well. You, you just like the contrast. I mean, I, you know, I don't really want to overthink Fulham, but it was just you know. Compared to us, you'd have our team and the way we play football. And uh, as managers go, you'd have Thomas Frank all day long. You know, he's uh, articulate and uh, thoughtful, and uh, you know, he seems sounds like a real, real uh, sort of like studious manager, not not someone who couldn't string two words together. There's a wider debate to be had, isn't there? Because I mean, you know, Scott Parker is regarded 
has some regard as an up-and-coming English manager. And then you look at, you know, contrast that with Bilic's passion on the touchline for, for West Bromwich Albion. Some people might say that his passion goes to OTT. I actually think that, you know, I mean, I, I'm not saying I'd want Bilic as the manager of my team, but you can quite obviously see he cares desperately about what goes on and, you know, forever arguing with the fourth official, etc. and having a go at opposition players. I, you know, I don't mind that. As people know over the years, I, I always like to see a bit of passion from managers. Um, but you contrast that with the cerebral approach that Thomas d demonstrates, you know, um, whether it's uh, writing down words on a, on a notepad all the time and then showing it to the players uh, during the tactical drinks breaks or just actually being able to voice in a after the game his um, what his analysis his cool anal, cool headed analysis of what he just witnessed in the past ninety minutes. I think that you know that it's like comparing chalk and cheese. And talking about drinks breaks, just quickly, as the Fulham fans or not the Fulham fans, the Leeds fans actually reported Thomas Frank to the EFL, and there's a letter up there with the reply from the EFL where they actually reported him for actually taking his tactics board out during the break, and the EFL actually replied back to him saying, you know, this is actually something that shouldn't be done, but it's up for the referee to actually monitor it, and we've actually told all the managers they need to sort of relax themselves with the old tactical board activity. But I just did think it was rather petty and typical of Leeds fans to have actually gone and reported. Thomas Frank to the EFL. They didn't leave it to the club. The fans actually had to do it themselves. Just quickly, because we're going to have to move on from this now, but I think it's just important just to quickly have a look at, you know, this West Brom and Fulham match, because especially for West Brom, because they're going into a couple of games and we need to sort of know what their mindset were. I mean, they were strengths that were effective at creating goal-scoring opportunities through individual skill, but they were poor at finishing, which is good, and they were aggressive as well. You know, they played with width, large quantity of possession in their opponent's half, and they attacked through the middle, and they crossed the ball a lot. Fulham, interestingly, they had no significant strengths in their side, which I think kind of sums it up. Uh, they were poor at finishing, gave the ball a lot, and three kicks around the box. Yes, they played with width and they attacked down the middle and they dominated possession. Um, and just to give you an idea, I mean, Grady Diangana probably had the best chance for West Brom, 68th minute, 44% chance of any chances like that actually going in the back of the net, so 44% probability. Whereas Mitrovic on uh, 45 plus two, 12% chance he had the best chance. He also uh, did hit the bar. I don't know if it's him that hit the bar, but they hit the bar as well. But that was a really kind of a slim chance. But other than that, there was nothing really happening. 0.43 was the XG for Fulham, which is actually lower than uh, any of the teams in our game, which we'll talk about a bit later. 1.13 for, for West Brom. So you can see that keeping it tight, not much activity happening there wasn't, wasn't really great. So um, I'm just sort of thinking, I'm just wondering whether or not those nerves going into the last two games for West Brom and showing that they, okay, that they've got a bit of a result, but, you know, it might swing in our favour. I'm just going to keep my fingers crossed there. No, what I was going to say was, you know, like, like winning's uh, a habit. You know, we've seen that. It's, it, it, so, with some, some of these games we've won because we won the previous one. With, there's that belief there. So, yeah, winning's a habit. And I think dropping points is a habit as well. And, you know, um, we, but we've seen in recent games that West Brom aren't, quite where they need to be so you know there is there is the door is very much open for us to get in there and uh grab our chance indeed so listen on the podcast today we're going to look back to the match against preston we're also going to look forward to west brom's match against huddersfield which is on friday night and we're going to hear from richard from huddersfield podcast and he takes that chance to get an idea of how likely it is for the terriers 
they get a result against West Brom. Plus, we're going to look forward to the Stoke game at the weekend and chat to Ben from the YYY Files podcast about Stoke City. And we're just going to reminisce. We're not going to reminisce because we've done that already. We're going to actually look forward to the games at the weekend and keep our fingers crossed to see how the bees are going to do. But first of all, listen, let's go back to Wednesday night when the bees beat Preston 1-0. Let's have a little chat about that game. So a third minute goal from Ollie Watkins was the only thing that separated these two sides, Brentford and Preston North End. It was, uh, well, yesterday, the day before yesterday, Hull was smashed by Wigan. Um, 8-0 it was, and we really did actually think that we're going into a bit of an 8-0 scenario. I mean, I've got a text from one of my Tottenham mates, he's going, oh, this could be a bit of a Wigan Hull. And I thought to myself, oh, yeah, that'd be quite nice. But it didn't quite work out like that. We had to work very, very very hard for the three points but it worked out our way in the end i mean just guys just have a little summing up first of all i mean your thoughts about that match fair play to preston i i I thought they really did give us a very very stern test probably the hardest test we've we've had you know i know the charlton game um didn't go all our way but i i thought it was there was something inevitable about the charlton match because you know we had all that possession and we've created a lot of chances and it it seemed like you know it was a matter of time before before one of them went in preston um they went behind early and that obviously that must have you know really knocked them and it was a great goal so they must have been quite quite wary that they could be on the end of a tonkin if they didn't uh, adapt and they didn't start to go back to the game plan that they probably had before kickoff they did they would have hated you know that would have been the first thing that you know that neil would have said on or the last thing sorry he would have said as they left you know no keep it tight early don't let brentford get an early goal you know and that's exactly what happened we came at them brilliantly um we we've seen this pattern um repeated again where we're able to start the game and start each half uh like we are gone straight to fifth gear uh and that that's that won't happen probably every single game but it shows you the players are on it they want to get this job done they're 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 crazy for it um and it probably was a little bit frustrating for them at times last night where they had they come up against a very well organized defense and uh preston have gone man for man on us again and we we didn't see um the you know the the the, the flair players able to kind of shine like we had uh i think some of the finishing from ben rama and watkins later on in the game was pretty poor um, you know, that's that's not what we've come to expect. The, the shots were well wide. Um, you know, Ben Rama, he had that great chance to make it 2-0 and he, and he shot straight at the uh, at the goalkeeper. I think I, I would say that is a poor finish from him because, you know, he should have, the, the ball should have been low in the corner either side um, and the goalkeeper wouldn't have stood a chance. He kind of hit it straight at him. So um, ball wasn't quite under his control. He did show some moments of brilliance. And then when you see um, Sky put those packages together later on, of you know all the good things that he's done and all, all the good things that we've done as a team, you kind of realise, oh, actually, you know that that was a little less close than than you thought. But um, you know, Raya was was forced into one or two really really excellent saves. The one from the free kick, especially, it was a brilliant free kick. Um, for him to tip that round the post was you know a pretty much full stretch. Uh, if that that goes in, 
Um, you know, you, you, the nerves really do start to jangle. But, you know, I honestly think that the Charlton game and last night were probably going to be more useful to us than just a, you know, run of the mill, 3-0, stroll in the park. We are going to come up, if we do have to face the playoffs, we are going to come up against teams that just don't want to concede against us, you know, whether that's, you know, a Forest, whether that's a Fulham again, you know, in the, in, wh- wh- whoever we come up against, we're going to come up, we're going to have to play an away leg. Um, and if it's an away leg first, which we, it probably will be, then, you know, we, we are going to have to grind out stubborn, uh, you know, results. And last night, I thought, was excellent in that respect. It's interesting you mentioned that, Laney. Thomas Frank also mentioned the fact that when the lockdown came and he saw what the nine fixtures, well, he knew what the nine fixtures were, obviously, before, uh, because of the, the final nine games that we had to play. But he actually pointed out two games as the big danger games for us in this lockdown period or this post-lockdown period. One of them was the Charlton match. And one of them was the Preston match. And I think the reason why he said that is he said that you know they're going to be teams who are going to you know change their formation to play against us there are teams that are going to try and block us and stop us from doing what we're going to do and uh, that's going to mean that we're going to have to try and play a different game than we normally do and that's exactly what happened liberal i think i think it proves that alex neil's a very good manager as well because i think he knew exactly what the game plan was to combat us last night and um Apart from the first three minutes, his team his team did that. Um, but I also was pleased to see that. Um, I mean, I, as you know, I'm no tactical genius, but it was quite obvious that the players on the pitch, uh, uh, if helped by uh, coaching from the sidelines, re-altered their tactics as the game went on. I thought first half Pontus played much higher up the pitch, um, and I th- and in the second half. Um, he played much more as a defensive player um, in the first half. Pontus was was making it was was sending up a lot of balls up. Um, in and then in the second half, he was just playing playing them off for, for, for others to, to to take on. Introduction of Josta Silva really helped us as well again when he came on as a sub. But the one player Dave's mentioned most of them, but I think the one player that should receive a special mention is Marcondes. I mean, he has played magnificently over the last two, three games. And last night, I mean, he was um, he w- he was the real creator. Ben Rama, as we've said, had a bit of an off night, um, possibly trying too hard. But you know, that's trying too hard actually is a, is a silly phrase because Ben Rama can can turn magic um, out of nothing. But I thought Macondes was the one who last night was the player that if you wanted to give a gold star rating to, you would have you would have put it on him and deserves all the pats on the back from Thomas Frank because um, he absolutely did it. That ball he played through for Watkins and Watkins, I mean, that goal in the first, whatever it was, three three minutes, 30 seconds, must have added an extra couple of million to his value. Cause, I mean, it was taken so beautifully that, uh, you know, you... I never was, I said I was nervous about the game last night. I don't think I was ever in any doubt that we'd probably get there. But full credit to Preston, who, don't let's forget, beat us earlier in the season and beat us well 2-0 up at their place. So anyway, let's listen to what the fans had to say in the pub after the game. Some very, very joyous fans. Heart was in my mouth. I don't know about your... Where, whereabouts was your heart? Where in your body was your heart? Because was it in your leg? I mean, it must have been all over the place because my heart was not in the place it was meant to be. Well, that was the longest 90 minutes I've seen for a long, long time. I, I was just, just... The goal was too early. I was just hoping for a, another goal to put it away. But 
Wow, we're there, we're there. So why not win 10 in a row? Why not? Yeah, never in doubt. Uh, we just sat here, relaxed for the full 90 minutes. Like, we scored the early goal. I think it was really important. And we look class. I mean, when we really go at teams, we look absolutely amazing. I mean, if we play like that in the first 10 minutes of every game from now to the end of the season, we'll put ourselves in a position to win every game from now to the end of the season. Whether that's the next two games or whether it's the next five, it doesn't really matter. And I, for one, am very, very excited regardless. Oh, magnificent result. I mean, who would have thought that we would be in this position one in third place, one point off the automatic promotion place? You know, chasing down West Brom um, you know, take you back to when Thomas Frank first started his first 10 games and when our support some supporters and the media were calling for Thomas Frank to be sacked and now look at us we are, we are chasing the big boys uh, it was a very nervous I have to say 10 minutes but I think overall it was a mature performance tactically we were good our pos positional play in the first half was very good maybe we sat back a little bit too much in the, in the second half um, but I used the phrase on Saturday after the game um, uh, that we, uh, against Wigan that we did what we needed to do. Uh, that's what we've done today. We, it was a mature, professional performance. Come on Huddersfield against West Brom on Friday. I think the pleasing thing for us is, and I agree with what you've just said, is Charlton, Derby and today we haven't been at 100%, but we're grinding out victories. I think that's what pleases me. The first, the goal was fantastic, just a fantastic move. And as much as Preston probably had more of the second half in terms of possession, we created better chances. Um, and then every time you just look, it's weird watching it on TV, seeing it at a different angle. Every time the ball gets pumped into the box, you can just see Pinnock ready to clear it away. There's a lot of determination. It's from, for me, it's whether West Brom can win two games because I think we'll win our last two games. Bill, the best team we've ever seen, without a shadow of a doubt, but have a look back at the predictions at the start of the season from all of your regular faces and you will see that Royal Oak be this season, a doubter in the past four seasons, 13th, 10th, 11th, 9th, something like that. This season, Royal Oak be predicted second. And that's where we're going to finish. Come on, you I think the big difference between the two teams, we play football in very different ways, but I think the main difference is the finishers that Brentford have. Like, if you were talking at the start of the game about the fact that Preston's top goal scorer is Daniel Johnson playing from the centre midfield with, I believe, 12 goals, um, so which I don't really think is in the top four or you know, maybe even the top five of Brentford's top goal scorers. You've got some players scoring ridiculous amounts of goals. And I think that is the big thing with us today, is it just showed... Because in the second half, I thought we were the better team. But we just can't... Even then, we weren't creating many chances, but we just don't seem to put away the chances that we do create. Whereas in the first half, you know, in the start of the game, you had one chance, one goal, and then that was, you know, job done, basically. There's been so many games this season where we've been the better team, and then not be able to put our chances away and I think that's really what's cost us in the long run where Brentford don't have that problem which is why I think I know a lot of you guys are very nervous about whether you're going to make it a second but I'm not if I was you know, looking from a neutral perspective I can't really see past you guys in the playoffs it wasn't your position I'd be worried too but I'm pretty confident that I won't be, won't be seeing Brentford next season. It was a tremendous result, I've got to say. I mean, that, we were backs against the wall, to be honest. I mean, Preston had a game plan, fair play to them. They kind of stifled us. We didn't get our game going, apart from the first few minutes, obviously. We really ground that one out, and a testament to the boys for the work ethic. I did think 
today we really, really struggled. Um, it was definitely a workman-like performance from the boys. Um, we got that nice early goal, and we didn't really capitalise on it as much as I thought we would have done. Uh, Preston, in the second half, sort of came out a bit higher up the pitch, sort of didn't give us enough room to um, to play out from the back as you know as as, as like we do. Um, but I thought Norsgaard again in the middle of the park was good. Uh, Mino uh, for the for the setup was great. Um, but yeah, I would have I would have liked us to play a lot better. But definitely we ground that performance out. How are your nerves though through that game? No, no, they're in shreds to be quite truthful. And they're putting years on me. But you know, they work hard, and I wish them all the best. I was really confident. First, I get that early goal, and yeah, Preston had a couple of moments in the first half, but I never really felt uncomfortable. Second half, I felt uncomfortable. Uh, second half, Preston really upped their game, and we struggled. We, I, I think we really did struggle. Now, is that down to us being tired? Are, are we starting to get a bit tired? I hope not. I don't think so. But it's they start of niggling questions that start coming in at this stage of the season. I think Huddersfield's still got a lot to play for, so they can do anything can happen in 90 minutes. Let's do the, the whole football cliche thing. They, they want to win. They, they still have things to play for. We can do it. Up the bees. Come on, Brentford. So, yes, very, very happy fans indeed after that match like I said to you there's a lot of smiling going on just to give a little summary of what was going down Brentford they were effective at creating goal scoring opportunities from three balls but they were poor at finishing they were aggressive and they gave a lot of free kicks in and around the Preston box whereas Preston were very effective creating goal scoring opportunities from set pieces they're poor at finishing lost possession often and gave away a lot of free kicks around our box as well. You know, we dominate the possession. As we know, we favoured through balls. You know, they played down the wings. They had a lot of possession in our half, you know. So they played the ball a lot in our half. We had a lot of pressure on us as well, you know. So they favoured long balls as well and they favoured crossing the ball. So you could see what we were up against it, particularly in the second half, in the second half. Um, I mean, we talked a lot, Laney and the Liberal. I mean, the man of the match. I mean, this was the game where you had to have somebody who had to kind of, not say put his foot on the ball, but somebody who had to sort of kind of sort of retain control of that midfield. Because if we didn't have that, we'd be struggling a bit. And it's interesting as well because um, they put Jensen back in the side. Marcondes, um, Jensen kept off the side. De Silva was on the bench. And it's, for me, it was one of those situations where, and this is not knocking Jensen, but I was just sort of thinking at some time, De Silva's got to come on. De Silva's got to come on. When's the Silva got to come on? Because you sort of always feel the Silva as a man who kind of takes control of the game. He can get his foot on the ball and he can actually kind of quell those nerves that time when the team's coming at you. I mean, I don't know if you were thinking the same way as I was. Yeah, it, it was quite clear. I think everyone listening to this will be, you know, on the same page and say it was quite clear that a substitution need, needed to be made and it probably, you know, five minutes earlier would have been probably better um, in, in our opinion. Um, you know, it's just one of those things, you know, Thomas Frank hasn't done a thing wrong. So, you know, I, I'm more than happy just to let him uh, do things when he when he feels fit. But, uh, you know, I know in the garden that people were going, come on, come on, make the substitution. Josh Silva was the one to come on. I think what we also said was, you know, um, it's really, it's a real difficult job to try and keep all of these players fit and to keep them all um, at, at their peak. And he's, he has to rotate. That's the only way he can do it. The games are coming so so thick and fast, and we need to be at such our high level 
that you know second best or second rate isn't good enough so you know it's, it's difficult sometimes we're going to see you know starting 11s that are kind of like okay why isn't it why isn't so and so in you know and then it, it, you know josh hadn't done anything wrong whatsoever and we know he's in, in such an important player and we, we needed that we do need him on the pitch um so you know but rotation is is, is you know it's it's inevitable and um it's you know we're going to see more of it I've, i'm glad that we started with dow's guard um i think that added a little bit more steel at the back um i think we'll see the same in the final two games um depending on the results and, and what have you you know um We'll, we, we'll, we'll only know what's likely after each fixture has been, been notched off. But assuming that we win the next one, then there won't be any large scale changes for the last one. So, you know, it's, uh, it's yeah, well, well done, Thomas, for managing that squad well. And looking at the stats wise, attempts, I mean, Brentford had 14 attempts to Preston's eight. From open play, we had 12 to their two. Set pieces, they had six, set, six, set, six set pieces and we had two. No counter-attacks, no penalties, no own goals. So if you're looking at that, you can actually kind of see what was happening. Also, if you're looking at the, the scores that were given, I mean, whoscore.com, we use that a lot. You know, they gave us as a team 7.07. Preston got 6.24. So we were quite a lot ahead of them. And if you look at the players, you know, Mark Convey's got a big eight. He was a star man for Brentford. As well. On top of that, you've got Ollie Watkins on a 7.7, .7, Ben Rahm on a 7.3, Norgard on a 7.4, and Pontus Janssen and, uh, and Pinnock 7.7, 7.5, Dalsgaard 7.5. So you can see that we were quite solid, sort of kind of mid sevens to eights, decent team. Whereas for them, they were giving them 5.9, 6.3, 6.6s, like, you know, um, Maguire up front, 5.7. So I thought what was interesting about that is we were really nervous as a fans and as a team if you listen to thomas's press conference he goes i love defending in the second half you know they came at us but we sort of defended them so it's almost like he was confident with, with them attacking us we were just nervous because we thought we might make a mistake and, and and give the ball away but they seem to be completely confident with that and with the scores that are given out there it almost seems that we were handling what they were actually throwing at us liberal well, that's the difference between this season and last um, and previous ones. We, we have a very solid defence. Um, and I don't think you could... I think we've got our first team defence. We don't have a strong enough reserves, I would suggest, to also that defence in the next two games, unless unless the, the, the last game of the season we haven't got much, you know, we, we'll, we know exactly where we are. Because Rico Henry as well, I mean... We, can't underestimate what he brings to the team and he must be running on fumes I mean the amount of work he puts puts in the shift he runs up that left wing and then running back he's always he made I think it was at least two I thought were really some might describe him as last ditch in fact they were just decisive tackles um, got the ball um, one of them went into Rose Ed, which always pleases me. The other one actually started, uh, play, he played a ball off, which actually started us on a break um, because, because that's what he's good at. Um, so I wouldn't ever change the back four at the moment. And that's why I think Thomas has brought to this team this year a real solidity. None of us can pronounce our S's today. A solidity to that back four, which will be the... Um, hallmark of this Brentford team. We look at the exciting players we have up front. Please don't let's underestimate the strength of our defence. 
talking about strength of our defence again. We're looking at it and looking from a stats point of view from the XG, uh, very, very tight. 0.67 was ours and theirs was 0.62. So again, not a large amount of very good chances created. Their biggest chance was actually Josh Harrop in the 90th minute. 27% uh, probability of that going in. Like, you know, so 0.27 was the XG on that. But other than that, there were just little dots of around the edge of the area. And for us, um, Holly Watkins' goal, probably one of the biggest chances on four minutes. And that was 8%, you know, the um, 0.08 was the XG on that. So 8%, 8 out of 100 or similar shots like that actually hit the back of the net. So we were creating chances, but not great chances as they are, but they were, they were wonderful if they'd gone in the back of the net, but we were just concentrated on keeping it tight, you know? So, I mean, that, that match for us, again, heart wrenching, but I think we did what we needed to do to move on. And I'm not saying that the next two games are easy because they're not, nothing is easier, but it's almost like we've gone over the hill and we can sort of see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, but we've still got a little bit more, or a little bit, a lot more work to do, haven't we, Laney? Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it, it may have to be functional um, um, for, for, the, for the final two. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll take the victories however we can get them. Um, that's, that's a fact, you know. I, I said last week that, you know, I think, I think the, it doesn't really matter in what style we achieve them at the moment. We know we, what we're capable of. Um, you know, it's, it's unlikely that the players will, will change <laughs> in, in, in the way they approach the games or, 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 the, or, the, or the game plans. You know, we, we are out of most dangerous when we're attacking. What I think what the most, uh, you know, the biggest factor for the next two matches is what the opposition need out of their uh, out of their games. You know, we play Stoke next and then obviously we've got Barnsley um, and what still could be the last game at Griffin Park. Uh, both of them at the moment need wins. So they they're not gonna they're not gonna get a win unless they try and attack. So you know it's it's they're not they're not very good teams defensively. So uh, we stand every chance of, uh, of doing exactly what we need. I tell you what was, I'd say was promising. Just last few words on this as well is you know it's a case of actually just digging in and uh, against Derby County. You know they were throwing the tackles in and you could see a lot of their players actually got you know kind of high marks in actually tackling with Brentford today. The big tacklers is Christian Norgard. You know then Daniel Johnson who's actually not really a sort of kind of defensive or tackling player. You know Christian Norgard had five. Daniel Johnson had three tackles, Ethan Pinnock two, D Dalsgaard and Ben Rama. Those are all players are actually kind of marked down for actually on the tackling front. So it just goes to show you how we've decided we're going to muck in. And I think that's very, very promising. But listen, we've been chatting about this a lot. Let's listen to what Thomas Frank had to say about that match. Isn't it crazy in this performance world? Um, because sometimes you forget to enjoy the moment and... Uh, you're so focused that you just move on to the next one and you just want to win the next one and also a part of that we are so close to to the end of the season of course um but we need i think what i'm thinking now is after your question i think I need to sit down with a glass of wine tonight and think wow this is actually quite good no matter what happened we won eight on a bounce playing some top football and i actually think it's eight well-deserved wins, which is even more remarkable, I must say. Um, and I think I read a, uh, an article was the other day, I think it's maybe only, is it Bayern Munich or Madrid, uh, Real Madrid, uh, who's doing that uh, this moment in time. Uh, they are quite big clubs and then a small brunch of. So uh, in, a, in a league that we all call the most um, even league in the world uh that, that is remarkable and we need to remind ourselves that that's that's already good of course you want more of course we aim higher of course you want to win on saturday 
uh, and no matter what is thrown towards us, we are ready for it. We, it's so that, that's the, that, and that's the beauty of this uh, li this league. The, the 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 one single area we have improved the most this year is the defensive side of the game, uh, and I'm extremely proud of um, how we handled second half. Um, I think first half we were by far the dominant team. I think it was 70-13 possession and we scored a goal and we were on top of that game. It was only dangerous when we threw the ball away. Um, a second half, they, they just, which we knew, played the ball behind us, behind us uh, ran at us, um, played for second ball, uh, set pieces, uh, and they, they made it difficult for us. But, but we stood in there, we defended everything and, and didn't give a, a massive chance away, which is difficult. And if you look at that pumping the back four, just pushing up every single time and play with a high line is, is impressive. So well, three things we've been working on. Big, 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 big desire to defend. As a culture, as a team, we need to love to defend. The tactical structure and how we defend with all the tactical bits as a team and as individuals. And then, um, of course, uh, a few good uh, players in uh, in the start of the season, part of our, our good group. All, all the praise to, to Ali. Ali's done amazing. Uh, in general, he's a joy to work with in terms of his determination, his um, willingness to learn, to reflect, um, to um, to every day want to do a little bit better. Um, and I think, of course, the key thing for me uh, to to coach him this year was his uh, positions in the box for for crosses, for um, um, yeah, mainly for crosses or passes underneath uh, the box, and that's the main thing. Well, I'm so harsh on that uh, principle, stay on the last line between the defenders or stuff like that. Um, but so he improved that massively. He also improved his link of play. He's an unbelievable pressing player. And I think his duels in the air, he's just been on a, a beast. Um, we are on a high. The only thing, again, we can do is, is uh, focus on the next game. I'm not thinking too much too much about uh, or not thinking at all actually about uh, the game after Saturday I'm only thinking on okay now they need to recover well and we already plan what we want to do tomorrow and uh, um, how we evaluate how we look forward to to Stoke so so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Stoke um, and see if we can win now nine on a um, nine in a row which would be even more remarkable than eight so um, yeah, that's what I'm focusing on. Uh, and of course, give it a shot. But we need, if we want to give it a shot, we need to win on Saturday. So that was Thomas Frank. And uh, naturally, he's happy, but he knows that the job's not done as yet because we have to look to the weekend's activity. We've got a match on Saturday against Stoke City, but it's not only about that. It's also about the game on Friday night where West Brom are playing Huddersfield. We're in third place. We're one point behind West Brom, so we could really do with Huddersfield getting a result there. Leeds also played Barnsley on Thursday night and they could get promotion then. And this is actually recorded before that. But listen, we're going to have a look ahead to the weekend and have a little think and a little chat about all the different combinations that can happen, well, between us and West Brom. So we've got a big, 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 big weekend ahead of us. I mean, my heart was in my mouth on Tuesday night, so I don't know what it's going to be like on Friday night and Saturday night. Um, it's oh, Saturday afternoon even, because it's going to be so, so nerve-wracking because we know so much relies on it. Basically, one point in it, as we know, 
um, and West Brom play Huddersfield on Friday night. If Huddersfield take any points from West Brom, so if they, 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 they put 11 behind the ball and they get a nil-all draw, they drop two points, that means if we win our game on Saturday morning, 12.30 kickoffs, so that's probably Saturday afternoon, then we actually go ahead of West Brom on goal difference, which means that the last game, we need to just match West Brom's result. But we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves because we don't want to talk about the last game yet. We want to talk about, first of all, Friday night's game because we're just going to have a little analysis of that. What's going to happen? What's going to go down? You know, um, like I said to you, Leeds was played before we recorded today, so we don't know what's going to happen tonight. They can't get promoted tonight, but they can, if they win tonight, potentially get promoted on Sunday. And I think that's the feeling that Leeds could get promoted on Sunday, but you never know because something may fall apart again or might crackle and it might all go to the last game of the season. So it is very, very exciting. And Stoke City, they drew against Bristol City on Wednesday. So they're pretty much good and safe for relegation, which is probably a good thing for us. Whereas Huddersfield, they had a one-all draw at Birmingham on Tuesday and that season fighting for points for ultimate safety. There's three points above the drop zone and 48 points with Hull and 45 points. Charlton and 46 and Hull, a third from bottom at the moment, 45 points. Charlton, 46 points and Huddersfield and 48 points. But we've got this weird scenario where Wigan, may drop into that zone depending on how many points they pick up so they actually might drop into the relegation zone or they might not and then we've got another scenario where we've got Sheffield Wednesday who may get points deducted for the FFP thing that's been looming around as well so there's a lot of indecisiveness going on for the bottom of the table so these teams have to go out and just win as many games as possible because they have no idea what's going on and Liberal you just sent over a quick just quickly you briefly touched on a little article saying about there's all sorts of court cases that may happen. We, we may not even have the bottom of the table decided by the end of the season, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, because you've got the, uh, well, as well as the Wigan 12-point deduction, which I think has been done, So, but credit to Wigan for the way that they fought back since the FA ruled on that. But then we've also got the Sheffield Wednesday um, court case hanging, or the uh, EFL ruling hanging over Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, there is other, um, I can't remember, Preston... Derby County. Derby County, thank you. Yeah, Derby County and Sheffield Wednesday. Um, and those, those three teams all are in a situation where points deductions from the AFL could see them sink rapidly down the table, makes life interesting at the bottom end of the table as well as at the top. Um, my, it, it really is a bit stupid that the AFL have not decided in Wednesday and Derby's case, they've been having those, um, they've got all the facts, they've got all the evidence, um, they've, they've done their investigations, they seem to be sitting on the rulings until they know what the outcome of the season would be. I think, you know, it puts other teams at a disadvantage and it just looks, it just looks stupid because, you know, if they do decide that Derby County have broken the rules, well, they ought to do it now, and then Derby will know where they sit for next season. As it is, Derby could enter the playoffs. Um, they've still got, I think, just a very remote mathematical chance of getting into the playoffs. Derby could get into the playoff situation. They could even um, get to the playoff final and then suddenly find that the EFL have ruled that what they've done, their shenanigans with the sellback of their seats sell back of their stadium etc is such that they'll have to be um, you know deducted a few points that's just a crazy situation and as much as uh, as much as I uh, want to see legal legal action take place I would much rather the game was decided on the pitch rather than in the courtroom as it looks likely it will happen 
we, we've talked about this a lot. We're not going to talk about it again, but all this legal malarkey and all this cheating and all that stuff that goes on is not good. But on the flip side of it now, as the situation goes, what it's done is create a scenario where teams like Huddersfield are going to have to be fighting for points. And they've got the Cowley brothers in charge. And, you know, the Cowley brothers can play a particular way where they can come down to like they did against Brentford and they can actually whoop teams, they whip their asses. And then other times they can actually just limply just kind of give in. So it gives us a little bit of hope from 538 which is the which we look out which is the chart which she's been predicting for wednesday night which is before the stoke game they had stoke losing to leeds and drawing with brentford and they also had west brom drawing with huddersfield um and west brom were predicted to finish above brentford still with 86 points and our 85 with both of us getting a win and a draw from our last two games so if any of that changes it's going to get quite exciting now back to huddersfield we're really relying on huddersfield to pull out a result for us we don't know that much about how huddersfield will be doing the last couple of weeks or the last couple of months even so we thought we'd go over to Huddersfield talk to Richard from Addy Takes That Chance podcast to give an idea of how they're doing I mean he doesn't give his team that much of a chance to take any points of rest from but then you never ever know guys congratulations again another incredible result what a run you're on it'll be pretty going to be honest if you don't get in the uh, automatic spots keep going you know the best way to get promoted is in the playoffs you know it i know it obviously you'd rather get in the top two will Huddersfield town do you a favor on friday night i just can't see it Huddersfield are in free fall at the moment the best they're getting is nil nils four clean sheets in a row but four games without scoring in a row friday night i think against west brom be much the same danny Callie will set us up not to concede and we'll pretty much not venture in, into their half a lot so don't, I'll be surprised if anything's different to that. So the best you'll probably get from us maybe is a nil-nil. But I just think they're extra quality, like when we played them at their place. Four goals they got against us. I know they weren't up to much last night, uh, but this is a big game for them. They'll be galvanised. They know what they'll need to do to get automatic, and that's to go to Odyssey and get three points. We've got Millwall away the last day again. You know, I don't know whether... They'll have anything to play for at the moment, but it's not looking good for us. It's looking much better for you, but don't be despondent, guys, if you don't get in that top two, because playoff finals, promotions, there's nothing better than that. And I just wish you all the best, but Friday night, can we do you a favour? No. Are you going to watch the game? If you do, make sure you have a few beers. But if West Brom get one, it'll be done, because we can't score. Sorry to be the doom mongers. Good luck, Brentford. So that was Richard, and he doesn't sound too—he doesn't sound too hopeful that they're going to help us out there. But you just—you just never know, do you? I mean, like you know, we know what we have to do, Brentford. There's no two ways about it. We've got to go about our job, and let's just keep our fingers crossed they'll do their job. I—I I wondered whether Richard's voice could be played into the Huddersfield players' changing room before the match, because that might sort of g him up, and they—they they can go along and say, "We'll show him." and actually turn on a performance against West Brom. Perhaps, you know, a bit of reverse psychology there from, from Richard might, might do. As you say, Bill, you know, it's all down to who who has that to play for. West Brom have looked nervy to me from what I've seen over the last few games. Um, they, are, they are this year's team that are going to bottle it. Leeds don't look like they're going to fall apart, as they have done in previous seasons. But West Brom look very, very nervy. And, you know, if, if Huddersfield got, get a goal in that game, if Huddersfield get 1-0 up, 
I think there could be real interesting times to play for on Friday Friday night. I'll be fascinating because the longer the game went on against Fulham uh, on, when was it, Tuesday, the more nervous uh, West, Brom, West Brom looked and thought they they lose on they lose on 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 Friday night. I can't see them winning a week on Wednesday. Huddersfield. I mean, just looking at their match against Sheffield Wednesday, it was nil all. <laughs> the team had no significant strength, which isn't great, you know. And on the negative side, they were poor at finishing. Okay, they attacked down the left. They dominated possession. Whereas Sheffield Wednesday, they stole the ball often from the opposition, and they created goal scoring opportunities from long shot situations. But they were poor at finishing as well. So it looks like you know for Huddersfield, it's a case of kind of packing up and just just defending in numbers. I mean, Laney. I know it's out of our hands, but again, emotionally, we're going to be attached to this game. Do you hold out any hope for Huddersfield to get a result? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, th- I do. I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, you, you, it's, it's easy to forget they they only come down from the Premiership last season. This is their season back in in the second tier. They they were at the top flight last season. You know, they have got some quality in that in that squad. It's about time they bloody well started playing to their potential. To be honest with you, you know, if you're a Huddersfield fan, you're going to be gutted. You know, they paid a lot of money for those players. There's players on the, on the out there that are 10 million, 20 million pound players. You know, they, they've let their club down. They're, they're, they, they need to pull a, a game, you know, a, a game out of the bag and go to one of the leading, leading teams and, and show what they're capable of. So, yeah, it, it, technically, they're, they're more than capable of getting a result. But, um, you know, since, since the, we've come out of lockdown I've watched a few of their matches and they in fate in phases they've looked decent um with Pritchard on the pitch they look they look sort of you know a, a lot more attack minded but I guess you know with the Cowleys they, they're looking for a bit more solidity um and to, to grind out results but you know they, they as I said they've certainly got the players there who are capable of going to West Brom and doing the job but you know whether they will or not uh, we can only hope. Listen, they've got a player who, like I said, we were almost we almost signed him. Carlin Grant, he's now scored 18 goals for them. He's a very, very good goal scorer. Again, he's one of those goal scorers that people sort of say, you know, maybe if he was in a different side, you know, maybe he'd be, you know, kind of helping. To, if he was in Leeds United, maybe, you know, scoring 18 goals for Leeds United, they would have been promoted by now. Not saying that you'd want Carlin Grant to go from Huddersfield to Leeds United. I was just using that as an example, but he's got a player who, who knows how to score goals. So I think, with player in that side, there is always a possibility. Also, they, you know, they were decent. You know, the, the season that they went up, they were decent. You know, they did they didn't necessarily buy well. You know, when they were, you know, not saying you have to spend loads of money, but they just didn't really kind of deal with this time in the in the Premier League very well. So as a result, they're on a bit of a slump. But you know, you're hoping that they can actually pull something out of the bag, as Laney says. So we will see. That's going to be seven. I don't know. Is that seven forty-five on Friday night? We'll be all watching that game. Bees fans are going to be very excited, sitting in front of the TV, keeping the fingers crossed that something goes horribly wrong. And, and as far as West Brom are concerned, there, but, you know. But concentrating now on Saturday's game, we've got Stoke City, and Stoke City are an interesting side. Interesting in the fact that they're a bit Jekyll and Hyde. They were the team that, if you remember last season. You know, we played them the first away game of the season, if I remember rightly. And uh, we went up there and there was loads of, you know, if you ask any pundit, they said, right, who are the teams are going to go up? And they said, oh, Stoke City, uh, absolute favourites, the quality in that side, oh, unbelievable, Jack Botman and Barr and this, that, you know, oh. and we were like a bit nervous when we went up there. And we went up there and we, I mean, we, we, I think we, did we score the goal where we had about 
25 passes. We just sort of passed them around the park, bang, put the ball in the back of the net. And I think the Stoke fans were like, oh my God, what is this team? And since then, Stoke City have just not been the side that everyone expected them to be, but they've always shown little glimpses. Um, they, they do the right things, which you expect them to do, because they've, you know, their players are on a lot of money. You know, they're on big wages, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, probably even 100 grand a week their, their players are on. Like, you know, we're talking about big money, but they haven't necessarily delivered what they're meant to do. Stoke City on Saturday. Guys, uh, can we do it again? Yeah, uh, I, 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 I think we will. Um, they're, as you said, you know, they're another, another underachieving team um, that I... You know, there'll be a real turn up for the books, real surprise if they're, they're able to kind of do a job on us. You know, we're, we're going to create enough opportunities during that game to, to, to win. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be nervy probably again. Um, it's, 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 this is really, this is really the, like, the nuts and bolts of it now. And, you know, I, I think, you know, we've seen free flowing. We've seen, we've seen sort of like, you know, beautiful, beautiful, expansive football. I think we're probably just going to be a little bit more. We, we, I, I, don't, I don't. I think we'll just be a little bit more defensive. Um, you know, for the last two games. We want to know about Stoke because it's very important for us to get a bit of background. So let's go up to Stoke and let's speak to Ben Rowley from the Y Y Y Files and let's see how happy he is with Stoke at the moment. So Saturday we got a big game again. Stoke City, travelling up to Stoke City, Brentford's last away game of the season. And this is actually recorded before the matches against Preston. So Brentford against Preston and also Stoke against Bristol City have actually not taken place while we're chatting. So we're, we're chatting here with a kind of slightly more relaxed feel than probably would have done if we, we chatted 24 hours later. I'm talking to Ben Rowley from the YYY Files podcast. Ben, how are you feeling? You might be feeling easy. I'm feeling a bit more nervous, to be honest. But uh, but yeah, otherwise, I'm not so bad. How are you? I'm not too bad, actually. Like I said to you, we're going to a Preston game tonight. So, uh, like I said to you, we, we were talking about this as if sort of, as if nothing happened, <laughs> as it was. And, like, you know, it's full of optimism for both of us as we go into this game. But, like, you know, listen, we chat quite a lot over the season. You know, I was there for your Nathan Jones phase. You're there for your Michael O'Neill phase. You know, you're still not out of the fire yet. It's still in a relegation battle. It's not been the season you've expected, is it? Not at all. I mean... I also remember when you asked me to do a season preview at the start of the season, I think for your website I predicted second for us. Yeah, that's that's not gone to plan at all. Um, yeah, Nathan Jones gave us a terrible uh, negative head start, I guess. Um, but that first 14 games or so, we, we've just been so... Well, we were so bad. But then Michael O'Neill has come and done a remarkable job on the whole we've had a couple of shaky games here and there and i expect a couple more before the end of the season but uh yeah I, it it's a miracle that we're staying up and it's a real damn shame that i'm saying that i mean and you say that it's interesting because i mean you talked about michael o'neill you know like i said nathan jones 14 games and so michael o'neill's been in for 15 games um, when he came in, you had eight points from your first 15 matches. And then now he's got 49 points from 43 games. He had a bit of a strange scenario as well, because he always had a little bit of a job share going on with Northern Ireland at the time. But he decided to can, can that and concentrate on Stoke City. Um, I mean, Michael O'Neill, tell us a little bit more kind of how he's turned things around. A lot of people are saying he's put things back to basics. So, for example, Nathan Jones was playing a diamond formation, um, which didn't work for every game. 
Um, Nathan Jones was playing James McLean at left back, which didn't work. Um, square pegs and round holes. Tom Ince in more of a central position that didn't work. I'm not saying he's working on the wing now, to be quite honest with you. Um, but he's he's sort of stripping things back, saying right, we're going to play four three three the way that Stoke have played for the last probably ten years now. I go on to say, um, and. He's just given the players confidence and said, look, you're good footballers. Go and win the game of football. You don't need to do anything fancy. I trust you to go out and win the game. And I think that under previous managers, that wasn't the case. He put so much pressure on them. Uh, Jones, Rowett alike, even Lambert to some extent when we were in the Premier League. O'Neill's just said, I, I think you're good enough to win the game. <laughs> I don't need to do an awful lot with you. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll do some basic defensive stuff. And... Um, we're a lot more assured at the back now, but I think that's it. It's just a matter of confidence. In some games, we look genuinely incredible. And then some games, it's quite the opposite and we get a good hiding. But uh, it's really strange. Like I say, I think he's just made it really simple for us. And that's what we need because we were a club in crisis, I think. It's interesting. I mean, you said, you know, you're talking about your style of play. You know, you're one of these teams that, you know, almost like, and we talk about stats a lot because we're for team statisticians love because you, you do all the right things, you tick all the right boxes, you put all the balls in the right areas, you create all the right chances, as they call it XG and all these other stats that they use. You're right up there, Stoke City. You're even up there with Nathan Jones. And that's why people said there's no way that this team's going to get into relegation zone. Because A, you've got a number of very, very high quality players. And B, also, you just, you, you just do the right things in football, but you don't seem to put the ball in the back of the net, do the simple things, you know. So, um, you know, I'm just wondering, why do you think this is? Because, you know, in principle, if you look at these charts that they put up there, Stoke City should be a top 10 side. You could probably even be pushing for um, from the playoffs, you know, with the quality of players that you've got and the style of football you have. But why do you think it's just not happening like that? There's been problems at Stoke. Every manager that's come in hasn't really disclosed exactly what, but every manager has come into the dressing room and said there are issues at Stoke. Um, I'm assuming there's attitude problems with certain players. Certain players have asked for wage rises and some got them when we got relegated from the Premier League. Uh, people like uh, Joe Allen, Moritz Bauer all got handed new deals. Um, Jack Bolton rejected a new deal simply on the fact that he said he didn't deserve uh, a wage increase. Things things like that. Um, a, a, a massive shot in confidence as well, I think. A lot of these players were playing in the Premier League, the top half of the Premier League. Um, and now they're playing in the bottom half of the championship. And I think for them, it's it's a real blow to them, particularly Jack Butland. I think he's really, really suffered. Um, when you think he was one of the, the better goalkeepers in England at the time, and now he's potentially costing us games, it's, it's really tough. Um, and I think, again, the managers didn't help that. The previous managers didn't help that, didn't breed that confidence. They were putting the pressure on. Um, O'Neill's done quite the opposite of that and let them be a bit more free. And do what they are, what they were brought in to do, what what they were expected to do when they were brought in. People like James McLean was never a left back or was never a, a clinical technician. He was a workhorse up front and he pressed the ball and he would make things happen erratically. And that's what he has done recently. But we were we were trying to turn ourselves into something that we were not. And I'm not talking that in terms of we were a hoofball team under Pulis and now we were trying to play nice football. It was more of a case that we were a team that was, the players were being asked to do things that they weren't supposed to do. And I think that they were unhappy because of that and losing confidence, losing games. 
it's just a massive vicious circle. But having said that, I don't think we'll know for sure exactly what's going on. I mean, looking at your team, I mean, Sam Klukas, top scorer, 11 goals. You know, you've got James McLean, you've got six goals. You've got Sam Boats, even though who he's banging at the goals in the Premier League as well. You know, you've got, you know, else you've got Danny Bath, you've got Batland as well, who played for England. You've got Tom Ince as well, who's uh, well, well known around in our division and, and, and the higher divisions as well. I mean, you've got, you've got a wealth of quality in your side, haven't you? Yeah, massively. And this is what catches everybody off guard people talk about the transfer window for example and they say what kind of players you're going to sign at the summit and i'm like i have no idea i don't know what kind of club we are anymore when you think about we're a good club with good owners with good facilities great players great manager and yet we languish in the bottom half of the championship and it something doesn't add up somewhere i there's there's a bit of a poison somewhere i I've got a gut feeling there's something quite not right and I don't know what it is. I don't think any fan knows what that is. But yeah, you're right. We've got some fantastic footballers at this club that have played at the very highest level and that have done well for us at the very highest level. Bruno Martinsendi played in a World Cup semi-final and yet he's playing left back out of position for us right now. Why? (laughs) In the championship, it, it... this is why it's so frustrating as a Stoke fan. And I'm sure it's so frustrating for people putting accumulators on Stoke. I never put Stoke in an accumulator, by the way, because they will always let you down. Um, people look at our team and and will think, oh yeah, this, this team's going to blow you away. Or oh, Stoke are in such bad form, they're not going to win. And yet, if our head's in the game, we've got the players to take anyone on. We really, really do. And that's what's frustrating. It's it's all on us. It's very rarely about the level of the opposition. Um, we blew teams like Hull, Barnsley. We blew them out the water. And then we come up against a team like Wigan and we just didn't turn up and we got shafted. <laughs> and it, it really is down to how we play it a lot of the time. And I hope we can be a bit more consistent going forward. Your lockdown record, so or you know, post lockdown record, the last six games you've lost three, drawn two, and won two. Actually, that doesn't add up to six, does it? <laughs> 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 but you actually you won your last game versus Birmingham 2 0. Also, you gave Barnsley a good thumping 4 0, um, which is two games before that. But in between, you lost 5 0 to Leeds. So, again, it shows that sort of Jekyll and Hyde type uh, side to Stoke City, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And that's what's been so strange about lockdown. We were doing so well under Michael O'Neill. I think if you'd have taken the table from when Michael O'Neill joined Stoke, Stoke were fourth, third, fifth, something along that line. We, our form was absolutely excellent across the course of about three months. Then lockdown happened and we returned and fitness seems to have been a real problem. I think fitness has been a problem for a lot of teams over lockdown, but teams have taken advantage of our lack of pace and having a lack of fitness with a lack of pace is a real problem. Um, no Joe Allen, of course, which I think um, Michael O'Neill really brought the best out of him. I think the only Stoke manager to have ever brought the best out of Joe Allen, actually. So it was a real blow to lose him. Um, and we've been trying to bring Ryan Shawcross back in the team. He's still getting injured, unfortunately. And I wouldn't say he's costing his games, but he's costing his substitutions at the moment. And of course, when you get five of them, it's a it's a big deal these days. Yeah, our lockdown form has been pretty weird, but then we've 
won the games that we needed to. We really needed to beat Birmingham. We really needed to beat Barnsley. And we did that. And I think um, hopefully we beat Bristol. And then we can enjoy the game against you guys. So, I mean, look, Stoke City at the moment, they're 18th place, 49 points. This is before the Bristol City match. So currently they're four places above the drop zone. If they beat Bristol City, you know, they can go seven places above the drop zone, which will give a bit of a relaxed feel to it. As you know, like I said to you, we're well into our stats. You know, we look at various sites out there just to give an indicator as to how teams are doing, how matches are shaping up. Stoke City, according to 538, are going to be finishing uh, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, ninth from bottom. So they're going to be ninth from bottom, Stoke City. Uh, and the prediction is they're going to get 40, 53 points, um, up from 49 points. So an additional four points for Stoke City there. So, in effect, one win and one draw from three matches. You've got Bristol City, you've got Brentford, and you've got your final game of the season. Um, which, that, according to that, it, it means that you're not, I mean, they put you as less than 1% chance of relegation. Basically, they said you're in the clear. So, uh, I mean, out of all those matches, you know, I mean, we're thinking that they're actually thinking you might take three points out of us, which is really strange. Um, but out, out of your last three matches, where do you think you're going to pick up your four points? The the form table and the league table would suggest Bristol we get the three points from. Um, but then it's away from home and Stoke haven't done very well away from home. And that leads me on to, I guess, Brentford, because, yes, you, you guys have been, the, in my opinion, consistently the best team across the whole season. I know Leeds have possibly blown more teams away, but they've been that little bit more inconsistent. Brentford, I, I think, have been fantastic for most of the season. Um but then we are at home and Michael O'Neill has turned the Bet365 Stadium, which I hate that name, um, turned it back into a fortress again. So again, anything can happen. Um, I expect, if I'm being blunt, uh, the three points to come from Bristol, maybe a point to come against Brentford or Knott's Forest. Um, I think we got Knott's Forest away last game of the season, so I'm, I'm not really sure where the point would come from from each of those um but then i think we could lose all three of the games coming up and we'd be fine by the looks of the table i'm i'm relatively relaxed like you say less than one percent chance of getting relegated um ironically if if the table does end up how you thought it would um we would actually have an improved position on last season which considering that we were bottom in november (laughs) is quite an achievement really um so i I'd be, I'd be very, very pleased with that. So that's, yeah, that's quite mad actually, finishing higher than last season and you were, you were, you were properly in trouble earlier this season. But I mean, just coming back to this match on Saturday, it's a big game for us. It's obviously not really that big a game for you because you're sorted, you're safe, you know, you're not going to get relegated really, you're not going to get promoted really. So surely you can have, a, you can have an afternoon off then, please, can't you? This is Stoke, to be fair. Um, and we seem to get the most rotten of luck sometimes. I remember um, after the Wigan game, I think everybody around us won and we lost. I thought, oh God, we are genuinely going down. But then we had the opposite the following weekend. Um, again, we play Bristol tonight. Um, it may well be that uh, the teams around us win, we lose, and then it it gets a little bit more tense and then we're going to have to show up against you but then it's difficult I'd rather us win actually and then go into the game with you with no pressure I think even though Stoke 
have performed under pressure during lockdown, I think it'd be nice to see us without the burden of relegation on our shoulders and see what we can do bringing the game to you to some extent. I don't know how that would go, um, but I don't think we deal particularly well with sitting back, which I think we would have to do if we lost tonight. If, if we have done, then yeah, I think you've got a good chance. But um, will we have a game off? They've all got something to prove. They've all got a, uh, a place to prove for next season. Michael O'Neill said, I'm going to be bringing in a lot of players next season. Um, whether that's with a lot of money, I don't really know the financial fair play rules for next season. It's going to be a bit strange. I'm I'm not confident heading into the game with you guys. I'll be honest. I'm I'm really not. I'm I'm really scared of what you'll do to us, considering what Leeds did to us. And I think you're in a similar bracket, to be honest. Yeah, and saying that, I mean, obviously we've got the highest goal scorers in the league with the BMW, the Bumo, the Watkins, and the Ben Rama up front. And then we've got the De Silva as well in the midfield, who pops up with goals here, there, and everywhere. Um, they've got Norgard in the centre, who's like a little bit of the marshaller. He kind of, you know, sits central defence, defensive midfielder as well, who's kind of become a bit of a key player for us recently. And obviously we've got the, I say, second tightest defence in the league now. It, it flips between the tightest and the second tightest with Pontus Janssen and Ethan Pinnock forming a, a quite a lethal partnership in the back. I say lethal is in the fact that, you know, nobody actually kind of gets through them uh, very much. You know, so it's and it's one of those again. It's one of those games where you know you sitting back. We've seemed to struggled against teams that sit back back in the day, but we seem to have managed to get around that problem now. So even if teams do sit back against us, we've actually seemed to have found a way to kind of get through that, which is a, which is a bit of a bonus. So I mean, how do you see the game panning out um, in a playing sense? I do assume that we will beat Bristol and therefore we will go into the game with little pressure and therefore we won't be sitting back as much as I think we would do otherwise. So we may well take the game to you, considering that we're the home team. We we have done that at Stoke um, when when the pressure is, is off us against the higher teams. Um, and it's because we, we do have the players to do so on their day, whether that completely turns against us and we get spanked. Um, as you say, you've, you've got yourself a team. It's not just a, uh, a group of individuals playing well. It's a, it's a team. You've got players that are working well together. Yes, you've got people like Ben Rama who are <laughs> wonderful, wonderful players. Um, but they all seem to, to know what they're doing. And I think that's something that Stoke don't always have and I think that that's why we may struggle regardless of what tactics we go for going into this game um, we, we may well use this opportunity to play some young players uh, it'll be tough against Brentford but we've got a good load of young players coming through actually, uh, people like Nathan Collins uh, Tyrese Campbell's been playing regularly um, I'm trying to think of some more off the top of my head it's quite difficult um, but there are, there are others um, and he may use this as a chance to go, look, prove to me that I don't have to sign players next season. Prove to me that I can play you guys and trust you going into next season where hopefully things will be a bit more positive and relaxed for Stoke than it is right now. So, Ben, give us a score prediction for Saturday. 2-2. Two, two. High scoring game, I think. I'm going to go for a draw. I'm going to try and be optimistic. Um, 
you want goal scorers, I'm going to go with Tyrese Campbell and kind of Brace. Right, okay. So, Ben, Ben Rowley from the YYY Files podcast, Stoke City podcast. Very good. Check it out. Actually, he's got a different lilt, you know. you just got a different... Explain explain what your podcast's about, because it's not your regular podcast as well, is it? No, it's not. So, I don't do typically what you guys do. Um, I don't talk about the games or current events. Um, basically, they're Stoke City stories, and they're told by Stoke City fans. Um, it's it's basically an interviewing session where I ask any sort of Stoke City fan to come on and e- explain how they became a Stoke fan, their best and worst memories with Stoke, um, what what they think the club is as an identity, for example. It, just loads and loads of sort of Stoke pub stories, I guess. And that's what I like about it. I don't have to run off the games, which quite recently would be quite depressing. But yeah, it's, it is something different. You're right. So yeah, thank you for mentioning that. That's right. So this has been great chatting to you. We'll uh, be watching the game on Saturday, fingers crossed, and I have to say this, that we get the result because we need it and you don't. And after that, we'll have a bit of a chin wake, maybe a bit of a virtual beer, and, uh, and well, we'll just enjoy the rest of the weekend. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to it somewhat, let's say that. <laughs> nice one, Ben. Nice one. So that was Ben Rowley from the YYY Files, and he's, he's fairly happy because he feels that they're pretty safe. And this was recorded as well before they actually got their point as well and uh, I spoke to Ben today and he feels now that they've got that point he reckons that they're going to come at Brentford because they're going to relax instead of going all defensive they're actually going to come at us which probably I would say do us a bit of a favour wouldn't it maybe yeah 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 absolutely yeah we you know as I alluded to a little bit earlier in this one and we've you know we've said consistently the last, the last few weeks we're going to be at our most dangerous when other teams are attacking us so we, we can exploit the, the gaps um, and we can we can um, you know try and catch some of their players out of position soak it up attack you know that they will be scared of what we possess in terms of attacking uh, threat coming forward um, I, I hope that they set themselves up to do exactly like you know that rather than be cagey and try and frustrate us and then try and get a goal in the second half and then and, and win that way so yeah assuming that this you know stoke uh approach the game in the way we expect i'm hopeful the liberal stoke they've won two of their last six matches they've lost three matches and they've got one draw out of that as well the last match we played against them uh in january was a one nil win i think was that the fa cup win as well i think it was the fa cup win at home they played 22 110 drawn three and lost nine whereas away from home we've played 22 110 drawn four and lost eight uh, they've scored, we scored 36 goals away from home. They've scored 35 goals at home and conceded 26. So we conceded 19. So you kind of get a little bit of a, a vibe as to where that's at. I mean, that, does that give you a flavour as to, to kind of what we're up against there, Liberal? Yeah, I mean, they've got 50 points. They're, they are safe. No team on 50 points is going to go down from this crazy league. They are quite obviously, We, you look at those stats that you've just read out, Bill, where obviously better than them um, and if they are either metaphorically on the beach or if they're just prepared to um, show a bit of how they can play on Saturday I've got no doubt that we can beat them yeah it'll be cagey yeah, it'll be tight because at this stage of the season every team's got a bit of a wobble about it but but the one thing about Brentford again the one thing this year that has always gives me confidence is that we are much more psychologically resilient um, Brentford in the past teams we've come into big games 
we've come into important games and the team has started looking nervous it hasn't played its normal style it's tried different things um, players have wilted a bit under the pressure you don't see any of that from this team from the 13 14 players that 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 that, that play in the matches for us I have every confidence is that by hook or the crook, and it will probably be by crook, we'll get over beating Stoke on Saturday and set up a final Wednesday night that will be one for the ages. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy that we can probably take on Stoke Stoke and beat them because we are simply a better team than they. Just to let you know, I mean the weaknesses for Stoke, Laney protecting the lead, they're weak, and also defending against through ball attacks. Very, very weak on that. Where they're strong, uh, defending set pieces, stealing the ball from the opposition, they're very strong at as well. Creating scoring chances, they're strong. And also in the air, they're strong as well. So that's kind of what we have to compete with. Looking at that Bristol City game, what happens is that they created a lot of chances compared to how much possession that they had. So they didn't have the ball a lot, but they actually created a decent amount of chances and also goal scoring opportunities from set pieces. So they've got quite a few set pieces. So we need to watch out for that. But they're very poor at finishing and they lost possession a lot. So that gives you an idea of kind of where we're going and probably indicates about the sort of slightly more caginess that we might have to go with, isn't it, Lady? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not worried. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's a game that, you know, we have to be very confident about, if, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, it is, you know, like, like Thomas Frank and like the players, we're not, we're not getting ahead of ourselves. But, you know, if, if we can't get excited now, if we, if we can't have belief in this team after what we've seen in the, in the last sort of three and a half weeks, then, you know, we're never going to be confident and we're never going to sort of, you know, be upbeat and positive. So, you know, we know that we are more than capable of pulling another result out of, the, not out of the bag, but just continuing this, this epic run. And, uh, you know, what more motivation do we want? You know, there is a realistic chance that this time next week we could be Premiership Brentford if one result goes our way and then we continue winning. You know, that, that's what it takes. So, again, not taking anything for granted, um, not expecting, not demanding. If, if we were to finish third in the second tier, it would be just an incredible achievement. Uh, and you know something that hasn't been hasn't been near matched since the since the war. So this team have performed miracles, and I just can't see them doing anything other than than producing another two more miracles. Whether that's enough, we'll see. But you know, as Nick said, it's a crazy division. Um, it's a crazy season. It's a you know it's an un unprecedented season, and there's there's every chance we see an unprecedented end we can only do what we can do which is win our games let the others worry about what they have to do let's just us win our games and let the others follow that's right so we're going to follow this up with some school predictions laney i am going to go 3-1 brentford absolutely yeah they stoke are going to come at us we might have to go a little bit more cagey to start with. I'm not going to predict that we go one nil up after three minutes again. I think I think they will come at us. You know, they should do. You know, they're, they're the home team. Um, so yeah, but I'm I'm confident we'll we'll have enough uh, to, to to dispatch them. The liberal. Mm, I think because we'll be slightly cagey. I think it'll be two one Bs. 
Um, but uh, Stoke will score first and we'll come back with two goals. And that'll, that'll all have, have us on the edge of our seats, won't it? Please, I can't be going through one of them again, actually, no. And for me, I'm going for my usual. I've done it every single time, just going straight 2-0 to the Bs. Uh, it's, it's worked, was it seven times so far now? So fingers... No, it hasn't. No, a 2 0. Yeah, we've, you've won. we've won, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. You've, you've only got the score right once. <laughs> 2 0. I've, ne- I've never known anyone to be right, even when they're wrong. Listen, it's 2 0, and it's going to be 2 0. And that, as far as I'm concerned, that's all they need to know. So, uh, so fingers crossed that's going to be the score. But anyway, listen, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. It's going to be an absolute nail-biter of a weekend. Friday night, we're going to be biting nails. Have we got any more nails left? We're going to be biting them on Saturday afternoon. But I'm sure we're going to have a very, very good time. We're going to be in our gardens. We're going to be in our houses. We're going to be in the pubs. We're going to be all over the place in West London, East London, North London, South London, all over London, England, all over the world as bees are meeting all over the place to watch this game. Like I said to you, two games to go and things could be a lot different for the bees. But we're just going to play one game at a time. Very excited. We're all around here. We say our usual end of podcast chant as we say, come on, on, you bees. Bees. You bees, just two more to go. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.